got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I was born like What's up, everybody? Welcome to Filmship Podcast. I'm your host, Scotty, and I'm so excited to be here with everyone today. If you didn't get a chance to tune into our very first episode, Go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Music, or SoundCloud and catch up today. This week, I'm really excited to talk about authenticity and the impact that it has on storytelling, both for myself, but also in shows that I'm currently watching. In complete transparency, one of my struggles has been self-doubt, and a large part of that self-doubt has been rooted in me consistently questioning whether or not my stories or my writing will be seen good enough for people to want to finance and we can be honest in hollywood it's predominantly made up of white men they're predominantly the ones that are making the decisions and if i'm giving them a script that has experiences that they can't relate to or things they can't relate to and it's not centered in black trauma then the likelihood of it being financed is pretty low to none but before we jump into that why don't you tweet me and tell me some shows that you're watching at Film Shit Podcast on Twitter or follow us on Instagram at Film Shit Podcast. Some shows that I'm currently watching that you may or may not be interested in is 911, which comes on Fox, Stumptown, which is a new show that comes on ABC, How to Get Away with Murder, which is in its final season. Shout out to Viola Davis and the cast of How to Get Away with Murder. You guys have done an amazing job. The storyline this season has been just as entertaining as it's always been, if not more. And I'm just really excited to see you all go out with a bang. Um, continuing on, I'm also watching Modern Love on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime has really been stepping up their content lately. Modern Love is just a show based on a New York Times article called Modern Love. And they chronicle these stories and they change a few things, you know, to make it more entertaining or whatever the case may be. But, but the central idea, the central synopsis of those letters um, is in the show. And it's really, really dope. You should definitely check it out. Cried to an episode last night. Cried to episodes pretty frequently. It is what it is. Um, two shows that I'm specifically going to talk about that I'm watching now is Bigger, which comes on BET Plus. It's produced by Will Packer. And Watchmen, which just premiered on Sunday. And it is such a great, great, great show. The opening mind-blowing we're gonna talk so much about it so excited to dive into it let's get to it conception not transform like this perform like this what else you want new weapon i don't contemplate i meditate then off your fucking head this that put the kids to bed this that i got i got i got i got realness i just kill shit cause it's in my dna i got millions i got riches building in Here my dna that for me was the turning point or the the catalyst that i needed to get me out of my creative funk. Because as I said earlier, that self-doubt had really started to set in and I was not writing as much or giving as much to my creative projects. I just needed to take a moment. And sometimes that's real. Sometimes as a writer, sometimes as an entrepreneur, as an artist, like you need to take time to yourself. And I know it's really hard, especially when your livelihood is depending on these things. However, took my time and you know I was in a bit of a funk. And then I stumbled on this show called Bigger. Bigger is a show that's centered on five friends in their 30s, four out of the five are college educated. They live in Atlanta and they're just living their life. And it's really dope to see because as many of you know, there are not many shows that actually just show black people living their lives that are not centered on trauma. And Bigger does a really good job of 
taking these real life experiences and these relatable experiences for people who are around that age who attended those type of colleges um, and takes it and transforms it into a TV show that's real, relatable, funny, smart, um, and creates a bit of nostalgia personally for me. Um, and so it centers on five characters, as I said before, um, Lane, who was in marketing for nine years and then opened her own vintage shop. Tracy, who was on the show Basketball X's and is now trying to find her space in the world and figure out what it is that she should be doing because she's not 100% sure. So she's just trying out all these different things right now um, while using the following that she garnered from her time on Basketball X's. Then you have Veronica, who is throwing herself into work, really wants to be a real estate mogul in Atlanta. And so you see her navigating her love life in a very transactional way as she would her career. Then we have Dion, who works in finance. He works in finance in a predominantly white organization. And so you can only, <laughs> you can only imagine the microaggressions that he deals with on a daily basis. And the show really shows them. And I think it does it in a way that it's not like boom, in your face, microaggressions. But it does it in the way that they really occur, which are oftentimes subtle. And people who are not used to them or don't know how to identify them don't typically know that they're happening. Um, and then lastly, we have Vince, who is an aspiring DJ. Very old school, still spinning on records, not into the whole DJ laptop thing, very much against it, actually. Um, and he's trying to build a brand for himself in a culture where social media is how most people are building brands and so the show follows these people around and guys i like i cannot stress enough like how funny the show genuinely is like of course every moment's not funny like there are moments where they are serious and i think that's like real life that's the authentic part about life that you have those moments that are funny and you have those moments that that make you want to cry or those moments where you feel lost or those moments where shit is just funny and this show does a really, really great job of balancing all of them while also balancing and intertwining the five characters. And so for me, that's part of what makes it authentic. Those real life experiences, those real life reactions, the dialogue, the dialogue itself doesn't feel transactional. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like the actors are reading their lines, but it feels like if this were me and my group of friends, that this would be the conversation that we're having. And that authenticity embedded in the show and like carried throughout the storyline and deeply ingrained in the development of the characters is inspiring. I saw the show, I binged the first, I think the first three episodes were available when I first started watching it. I found as many people that I could to like watch it. Um, and I am still <laughs> telling people to watch it. So if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. It's a really, 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 really great show. You can get it on the BT Plus app for $9.99. Or if you have Amazon Prime, just add the channel on. It's definitely worth the watch and the money. Like, even if you just do the seven-day trial. Um, but the show is it's, it's a great show. And I think that the impact that it had on me as a writer will manifest itself in different ways for other people. However, the show is great. Go check it out. If I had to name a favorite episode out of the ones that have premiered so far, I would say episode five, where Elaine has her engagement party, is hands down funny. The episodes are all literally funny, but episode five takes the cake. 
I cannot stress enough. That just from the dialogue to their interactions to the quirky moments, very well written. Shout out to Bigger. Cannot wait to continue to see more. Comes out on Thursdays, new episodes. Don't know how many total episodes there will be in the season. Right now we're at episode seven. Episode eight premieres tomorrow. So we'll see. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Tweet me your thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts about the show because it is near and dear to my heart as it was the catalyst for me to really start thinking through how to best incorporate my voice and my authenticity in my writing and doing so in a way that is unapologetic because I've not always been able to do that. And so thank you to the writers, to the team at Bigger, to the actors for doing an amazing job. And if you hear this, just continue to do it, continue to push yourself, continue to push the, the narrative that you are pushing um, in the show. And I, I'm just super, super, super thankful for everything um, that you guys bring to the show. I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA. I just win again, then win again, like Wimbledon, I serve. Yeah, that's him again, the sound that engine this week is has like been a pretty rough week for me. Waking up, having to go to work, waking up, having to go to work. It's just all becoming very routine. So if you had to tell me your mood based on a TV character, who would it be and why? Again, tweet us at Filmship Podcast or Instagram at Filmship Podcast. For me, I'm definitely Issa, season three, right before she quit her job. I'm like right at that point where I'm just, I want to do so much and I can't do everything that I need to do because I spend so much time doing something that's not getting me towards my long-term I'm so excited about it that I know that I'm going to start stumbling over my words and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best to, to think in a very linear way so that it makes sense for you all because that is the goal. But Watchmen, like, can I just say, Mike drop HBO and Damon Lindelof and Regina King, like, Mike drop like a, a dramatic, the, the most dramatic, the, the Beyonce mic drop at the VMAs, I think in 2011 when she showed her belly. Mic drop. The way that they took authentic moments from history and fused it with sci-fi, just mind blown. And so if you don't know or you haven't seen the show, I told you guys to watch it because there will be spoilers. Sorry, not my fault. You should have watched it either real time or shit you should have just watched it dvr whatever we got too many options for you to not be watching so basically the show watchman is is you know created and written by uh damon lindelof and it's based off of a comic book 34 years later it centers on an alternate reality in which the president president redford has been in office for 32 years there are environmental protections right now. There are gun protections where you have to wait six months for a gun, which should be the case now. I don't understand why it's not, but another topic, another day. And then there's something called red formations. And when I was watching the show, I 
thought I misheard refer. I thought I misheard uh, reparations, but after seeing the show a little bit longer and also someone who didn't read the comic book, like there were gaps there for me. But after looking through the show and 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 realizing that like the president's name was referred that red formations were his form of referee reparations was super super cool to be seeing what that could look like um and and i don't think the show has gotten into the the depth of the impact of those reparations um in terms of the lives of black people but i do think it did a really really good job of painting the picture that people who are white or who did not receive reparations are very angry about it and there's a scene in the show where they have a man on the radio and they do a really, really great job of giving background information about like the current climate through that uh, interview on the radio about, you know, red formations, gun protection, environmental protections, um, and people's unhappiness with the president who has been there for 32 years. The show does a really, really good job of intertwining all these different elements because Damon Lindelof, again, who is the creator and writer of the show spoke about in an interview that he wanted to make sure that the show was based on racial tensions. And so when you hear on the radio that this guy is so unhappy with the president, a president who gave reparations to uh, black people, it just, it, 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 it makes the story make sense in terms of what's happening. And so again, if you didn't watch it, um, basically, the show opens with the race riot of 1921, which is also known as Black Wall Street. Many people have no idea about Black Wall Street. And if I'm being honest, I didn't know about it until about five years ago um, when I was randomly talking to one of my coworkers and they brought it up. She knew like literally everything that there was to know about Black history and she brought it up and I had never heard of it. And I was a little ashamed, but I also had to realize that like, it was a disservice that was done to me through history books. Like this is an event that was omitted from history books intentionally. And there's still not much information about it. And so Damon Lindelof opened with a scene, a very graphic scene of that happening where there's bombings, people are being killed, people are being lynched. They're bombing on the ground and in the air. And it really paints the picture of how horrible and how extensive racial tension not only in this country but around the world is and how the hatred for black people is real it's like no matter how many times or ways or moments or things that we do to get ahead the playing field will never be level and so when you think about the race riot of 1921 it was approximately 1.5 million in real estate Again, in 1921, 1.5 million. That's a lot of money in 1921 of real estate was damaged. Not to mention about $750,000 in personal property that was damaged. 35 square blocks of this wealthy black ran town with these businesses and doctor's offices and grocery stores and anything you can think of like black owned, well ran. Opening with that was super, super powerful. And when I went and I started researching Damon Lindelof, because I had never heard of him, I wanted to know more about like this story, why this opening. And one of the things that he said that really resonated was that, yes, I could have done a documentary, but we all know how well documentaries gloss over people. And I didn't want it to be something that came and went. 
So he wanted to infuse it intentionally in pop culture. The fusion of authenticity and telling a story that truly happened with sci-fi in which we saw here is something that I rarely see. And it was really, really dope to see it. I felt some type of way watching the opening, but that's what it should do. It should draw you in. It should make you feel the way that it makes you feel. And a lot of people, black, white, whatever color, had no idea that this is something that really happened. So the conversations are already happening and the impact that Damon wanted to have, it's already, we're already seeing it because people are now talking about it. We're seeing clips resurface. We're seeing things about Tulsa, Oklahoma and this neighborhood known as Black Wall Street surface that probably wouldn't have surfaced had he not highlighted. So shout out to Damon Lindelof and shout out to HBO on an amazing execution with your opening scene. I have another example in which I'm seeing authenticity play a role in the writing of an amazing show. Like there was a non-fictional opening that really highlighted and shed light onto something that's rarely ever talked about. Then to base the show in racial tensions, which are very much still alive, very much heightened in our climate right now because of the leadership in this uh, country and the different things that are happening. I thought it was such an impactful moment and a way to use storytelling to shed light on issues and the ways in which we operate as a society and how we could be doing so much better. Um, there were just so many things that I liked about the show. And so I wanted to talk about a few of those because when I watch shows, like I'm literally paying attention to everything. I'm paying attention to the dialogue. I'm paying attention to their interactions with characters. I'm paying attention to the character development. And I talked about this last week a lot about like what I'm paying attention to, but like specifically with Watchmen, I really, really loved the action. I loved seeing Regina King in something that was action oriented. Um, but it still was very much in line with who she is as an actress. Like she's always in shows that shed light onto racial inequalities or um, that talk about the inhumanity of people and how things aren't always, you know, fair. And I really love that about her as an actress, like staying true to what matters to you, telling stories and involving yourself in stories that matter to you. So the action and seeing her in the action, but still knowing that like this is a show that's very rooted in how she carries herself as an actress was dope. It was phenomenal. And she's just so damn good. Like you think about where Regina King came from and like her like building up her career, like she's been working her ass off, literally grinding from day one, making sure that she is put in the craftsmanship into what she genuinely cares about. And I think Watchmen is a fusion of all of her best work just coming together to create this this awesome action-packed TV show where she is kicking ass literally and figuratively. Something else that I really really loved about the show and I had to go back and watch a second time because of it was the foreshadowing. There were so many moments of foreshadowing in the show that if you pay close attention, you'll see them very clearly and understand what's happening. And for me, like I do better when I watch shows with captions on because I can see all the dialogue and internalize all the dialogue. And sometimes I watch a show without the captions on and then I'll turn it on again and watch it with the captions on to see if there's anything I missed. And so I did this with Watchmen. And 
the first time I watched it, I saw a few moments of foreshadowing, but the second time I watched it, I picked up on literally everything because I was looking with a closer eye. I had the captions on. My hearing is great. I don't understand what the issue is, but just reading it, you for me, I internalize it a little bit better. Maybe that's my learning style. But there were moments where I was just like, wow. For instance, in the opening scene, the guy that survived, or the little boy at the time that survived the bombing um, of Black Wall Street, we see him pop back up later in the series in 2019 when um, Regina King's character, Angela, is going to the bakery that she is pretending to own because police officers have to cover their face and assume different identities in order to stay protected. And so we see this man outside of the bakery and he is asking her when her bakery is going to open. And he has a note. The same note that he has is the note that the little boy had. And it's like, protect this man at all costs. And so he has that note. And it is that moment that you realize that the guy or the little boy in the beginning that survived is the boy or the grown man now, old man now, who's outside of her bakery. So that was moment one. Then as she's going in, he asks her, do you think I can lift 200 pounds? She acknowledges in a very sarcastic way and it's a little bit of an asshole moment but she's just trying to get to what she's trying to get to because she's just found out that one of her colleagues has been shot so she's just really trying to just make it get to where she needs to go and she's getting a little annoyed and he asks that question in the moment you don't really think about it you're probably thinking the same thing she's thinking like why the fuck is he asking this but later in the last final scene of the show when we see this man again and we see that the man hanging is her police chief who weighs about 200 pounds that line makes sense that line is like did this old ass man in a wheelchair really lift him up to hang him or is this something the calvary did i'm confused what's going on i have no idea but then there's a moment with the sheriff who died, like, just so much. Like, I'm just getting, I'm getting excited talking about it to the point where I, I just really hope you watched it. Because if you did, then you would know there's a moment in which the sheriff is leaving to go and check on the police officer who got shot because apparently he woke up. I don't know if that's 100% true or if it was just a trap. But anyway, he was stubborn, went out by himself. But as he's leaving out, you see a picture of a little boy and a older guy who looks like he may be his dad. He has a cop badge. So it looks like the cop thing is like something that is pretty, it's, it's a family a family thing. And so there's something a little off about him or maybe I'm just reading into it, but anyway. So we see this picture and in the picture we see the little boy who I'm assuming is him. And so when I see the old man and I see him, I'm thinking to myself like, is there something that his dad did during the 1921 riots that now he's getting him back for? Or is this connected to the larger storyline of the Calvary, which is like a KKK organization coming back and essentially uh, taking or getting their revenge? Because it, it's, it's so much going on and there are so many like little moments of foreshadowing that you have to pay really close attention. So that was another moment. And then there was a moment with the sheriff again where he makes the decision to release all the firearms for 24 hours for the police after the first policeman is shot and they realize the cavalry are coming back. And he is being told that he shouldn't do it 
he's being advised, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And he comments, you know, essentially saying, it's my funeral. As in, I'll take the blame for it. If it happens, it's on me. So to hear that and then to see him die, like major moment of foreshadowing. I like, again, shout out to HBO, shout out to Damon, like the amount of foreshadowing, the amount of detail um, in the show from the way that the storyline is being laid out to the way that we receive background information. The first scene with Regina King was super powerful where she is lying, number one, <laughs> to all these kids, telling them that she's baking and that she once was a police officer and she stopped being a police officer after she got shot. And she goes into great detail in a way that you realize that like, she doesn't realize how traumatic her experience was. But then the teacher like brings her back to earth and, and, and helps her realize it like, hey girl, like you saying a little bit too much. Um, but I, I think the, the smart ways in which they drop background information in the show so that even if you didn't read the comic books or you had no idea, like you could pick up on what was happening. Like overall, like I'm just thoroughly impressed. I keep talking about it and I'm like, I have these pauses because I'm, genuinely excited about what's to come on Watchmen. Even the pre preview looked pretty dope and it looked like the way that they're going to build out this story is going to be well worth every bit of it. And I'm just, I'm really excited. And I think for me, a huge part of the excitement lies in the fact that I know that this is something that's still very relevant in our time, in our country. And it is very draining to consistently watch content that talks about something that we experience every day. Like I can tell you every day I am experiencing a microaggression from someone who is white and it does not feel good. We experience it on the train. We experience it at work. We experience it wherever there are people who are not willing to address their microaggressions. And so seeing a show that is taking something as difficult to acknowledge or watch rather on TV because you deal with it every day and fuse it with a storyline in which we're talking about superheroes and reparations and the things that should be happening in real life. Um, it, it's just, it's dope. If you haven't seen it, please, please, please go watch Watchmen. I still have a few questions though. So if you know the answers to these, please tweet them to me at Filmship Podcast or send them to me at, on Instagram at Filmship Podcast. I want to know why were her character's kids white? I know based on what I'm seeing in the writing that this has something to do with the storyline. I just want to know what it is like because I don't know now, but I'm, I'm very excited to learn why. Um, I also want to know exactly what happened on White Night. She alludes to it, and I know that, you know, that a lot of police officers got attacked, but I want to know, like, what led up to that? What was the exact aftermath? Like, how did that change the way in which they're living life? And I hope that we get to see that over the course um, if, of the season, if not this season, the next, because I'm pretty sure based on the ratings and the reviews, they'll get renewed for another season. But I'm really curious to know what happened there. I also want to know why the hell is it raining squids? What does that have to do with anything? Is that part of the environmental protections? Is that why that they have them? I don't know. I would really love to know. I tried to look it up. It doesn't seem like anyone knows. Maybe Damon will give 
its significance because what I read, from what I read, it doesn't look like they ever completely gave a reason in the comics. So we'll definitely um, hear about that. And then I want to know how the different time periods are going to meet. Right now, they're operating on a few different timelines, and I want to see like what is going to be the fusion or the meeting point or the, the connection between the time periods. So again, if you have any answers to those questions or you have some questions, feel free to tweet us at Filmship Podcast or follow us on Instagram and engage at Filmship Podcast. I can't wait for y'all to listen, and I'm really, really excited about the two shows that I share with you today. Go ahead and check out Bigger. Go ahead and check out Watchmen. You will not be disappointed. I promise you that. If you are disappointed, then mm, probably question your taste. But, you know, this is a no judgment zone. Thank you so much for listening to Filmship Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. I'm out. African Americans and racism in recent years. I live a bad life, fucking life. This is my heritage, all I'm inheriting. Money and power, the mecca. I'm heritage. Tell me something. You motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I'd rather die than to listen to you. My DNA not for imitation. Your DNA an abomination. This how I this when you in the matrix. Dodging bullets, reaping what you're sowing. Stacking up the footage. Living on the go and sleeping in the villa. Sipping from a Grammy. Walking in the building. Diamond in the ceiling. Marble on the floor. Beaches out the window. Peeking out the window. Baby in the pool. Godfather.